one of the reasons why I think so often we lose the opportunity to improve our systems is that when it's really on our mind, we just put it on a task list. Yeah. We don't take your vital step of just turning on a voice recorder. Anybody can do that. That's actually, as you've talked about before, the most efficient path forward, even though it feels like you're having to slow down for a moment. Yeah. Just do it now. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Daniel, welcome back to another episode. And this one's unique because we're in the room together. Yeah. You are here in Brooklyn, New York, in my basement studio of my home. And welcome. Glad you're here. Glad you're staying. It's been fun. Came out to... New York to visit a client, uh, a couple clients actually, and you were so graciously had me come over and stay with you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, this is amazing. We're doing it together, live together, another episode. And this is one of my favorite subjects, systems. And it's definitely the least sexy subject to most music school owners. However, you and I both share a real passion around it. Um, And the topic is simple. It's not what systems it's how to actually build a lasting system, which the tables are turned today. Normally, you're asking you piles of questions. I'm asking you piles of questions today because I think you're really, really good at this, and I think our listeners will benefit. So one of the things we've discovered as we've gotten a lot of questions from listeners is just how many things are broken within their music school, hmm. things where they think basically they're the only solution right? as an owner or a founder. And I'm curious for you right out of the gate, rather than the question, how do you build a great system? Is it even possible to actually fix things in your business and have them last? In other words, come up with a solution to something like scheduling or come up with a solution to something like updating a credit card and actually have it work year after year after year. So maybe I'll start there. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind when you ask me that is that there's this... Uh, there's this rule and it isn't really a rule, but it's kind of this thing that I turned into a rule when I'm working with a school owner or a studio owner, I call it the frustration rule. Mm. And it really just comes from the fact that I'm a very impatient person. And in my own studio and school, even before, you know, I'd taken any kind of business training after college, after university, there was just this impatience that I had that if there was an issue, if there was a problem that came up, I tried to fix it in such a way that it did ever, I didn't, it didn't have to bother me ever again. Mm. Uh, so I a hundred percent believe that it's possible to have lasting success in, in, you know, system building, if you will. I a hundred percent believe that you don't have to keep experiencing the same problems over and over again. And honestly, for most mid-sized schools, I think they intuitively know that this is true as well, that, that, no one has a systemless business at some point. I mean, if you have a billing system or, or you have a procedure for how to do makeup lessons, like everyone has success with systems. 
I think the thing that we're going to unpack here today is just how deep that rabbit hole goes, just how deeply systems can impact the business and the degree to which I think that it should be just pervasive throughout all parts of the school. And I think that's where mm. a lot of people don't realize just how serious I am and, and obsessed I, I, I am with with systems or how much I think they should be. Love it. And the to be clear, though, today's episode, we're really going to talk on how one builds a system, regardless okay. of what the systems are, right? Is that cool? Yes. Because because I think that one of the things you do really well um, you've shared a bunch of your systems that grow with me. I've, I've, I've adopted some of the methodologies, you know, mm. myself at BMF, which is, is that you're like, Nate, there's a correct way to do this. Yeah. So therefore, mm. there's an incorrect way to build systems, okay. right? So yeah. my question to you is, what have you witnessed, you know, even with me at BMF or others that you've worked with and been um, uh, a benefit to where they've just haven't approached systems correctly? Okay. Yeah. Well, and right before I answer that, I have to say, you were talking about how I'd influenced you in more ways than one in that one of my team members, you ended up hiring yeah, yeah. BMF and she had already been trained by me on how to be a team member in a systems-based business. So, yeah, uh, yeah. of course, we're talking about Bethany. She's probably listening to this. Is there an incorrect way to do mm. systems versus a correct way? Because what I really want to zero in on today is just a simple right. and sustainable method for our listeners to start building systems that will last. Yeah. So let's start with what you've witnessed that just hasn't worked. Yeah. Where have you seen owners build systems that are breaking? There, there is a pervasive problem that I see when I begin to talk about this or when, when a school owner swears this time that they're going to do it the right way. Mm. The thing that I see happen most is that the school owner kind of gets a burr under their saddle they swear to never do things in a non-systems way before. And then they're like, I'm going to go out and build the manual. Yeah. That's it. We're going to do it. I'm planning out the whole school. I'm going to build out the whole manual. I'm going to lock myself in a hotel room for a weekend, write it all out. And then we're going to town. Right. So it's like they're going to blueprint the thing and then they're going to just announce it to their team. Exactly. Teachers, staff, etc. Okay. So and this is actually undesirable. If someone actually did that, it would it would be bad. Like it sounds like, ooh, they're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to have this massive effort. They're going to do this amazing thing. They're going to um, right. scale Mount Everest. Actually, if someone actually did it that way, planned it all out, blueprint it all out, went open Google Docs or Microsoft Word or Apple Pages and wrote that all out, that would actually be worse than what I think most businesses should do. Even though that sounds impressive, it's bad. Yeah, even though, and also just um, the owner, you know, may be right in thinking this initially, right? Mm -hmm. She's thinking, well, who knows more about the business than me? Right. Obviously, I should be documenting. Exactly. Right. Okay. So let's get into why this is just not the path forward for a lasting system. What do you got? Well, first off, <laughs> um, it doesn't take into account the organic nature of a business. What I mean by that is, mm -hmm. If you went out and document all these things and then fixed problems and, and built systems around all these things that maybe there wasn't even a system before and then just implemented all these changes at once, this is actually a really poor way to do business uh, because you can't A, B test the changes. Mm. Even if you do make changes in your business, system-based or not, you should do them quote unquote one at a time. You should do the one at a time because when you start messing with the chemistry 
it could be that you that that there is an hidden that there is a hidden link between this thing that you're doing and perhaps something else in the business that mm. in your mind isn't connected but actually is and so you go to fix something that's broken that doesn't get fixed and then you actually break something that's working so the business is an organism and if you if you just go and make all these massive changes at once, you you could break the business. It could actually be worse than when you started. Right. So you you need to roll these things out one at a time. But that isn't even the worst thing. Do you want to hear okay. the next what worst thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, There's other reasons. Other reasons. Yes. This is not the right way to do it. Okay, go ahead. So it's a waste of a really incredible opportunity. Mm, that tell me more. You could use this system building experience in your school to actually train your team. Okay. In that the owner should not be building the systems themselves. The owner should be delegating the building of the systems to the employee or the contractor, whatever the case may be. Why does that matter? Well, because it's, well, it's a waste of the, it's kind of drawing on another point that I want to make here. It's kind of a waste of the owner's time to be writing out the manual when you could be delegating it to an employee, telling them what to write. They're not building the system. You're building the system, mm, but you're okay. telling them what to write. You're communicating it to them. They're they're building, you know, a section of the manual around payment systems or reschedule systems or fall enrollment systems or marketing systems. They're writing this all out. They're writing the system out. Then they give it back to you. You look it over and you see all the ways in which you real you realize now. Oh, I didn't communicate this very well. It's clear by how they wrote this, that they think one thing, but I actually meant this. I mean, there's all sorts of things that, that come up when you have the, the team member actually write it out for you. Uh, yes. and, and, and when they do, you see communication gaps, you see understanding gaps, but that isn't even the worst waste. Okay. It's triply a, um, a waste of an incredible opportunity mm-hmm. um, because you can actually get your employees, your team members to tell you how to do it better. Yes. I said, I was waiting for this. I love this. Okay. Do you, can you give us an example at grow? Doesn't have to be a music school example. Just be just run as, you know, a business systems example where one of your team members came to you and said, Daniel, you know what? I like how we're doing it, Mm -hmm. but I've got a couple of upgrades. Okay. Yes. I want to start with a small story. Okay. I don't know if this is urban legend or not, but the story is told mm. of a college in the 70s that they were building a whole new area of campus, new dorms, new classroom buildings. They were expanding and they built the buildings, but they didn't build walkways between them. Right. Do you know the story? No, but I see it all the time on campus where a, a dirt pathway yes. gets like, you know, carved through the campus. Exactly. So where the all powerful, all knowing engineers like, oh, the path should be here. This is the most, yeah. this is the best way to do it. So this college didn't lay any concrete pathways and they just looked at how the students naturally walked between the buildings and the places where the grass was worn down or where the dirt got compacted. That's where they actually designed the walkways. So they didn't have students traipsing through flower beds for the next 50 years. (laughs) That's amazing. Build the buildings, build the path second. Yes. So how this relates to your question about how this has happened at grow uh, this, I mean, this is just a way of life at grow. A lot of times it, uh, 
if we have something new that we're building, whether it's a product or a marketing system, I don't even start by mandating the system. I actually call team meetings and we discuss mm. how it might best be built. And yeah, there are probably some really strong ideas coming from me. Sure. But if I have that live feedback, I can put an idea out there. And if there's a part where I feel a little shaky or I think I don't really have a strong opinion around this, what do you guys think? I get all kinds of feedback. We end up building much better systems as a result. I think a perfect example of this is grouplessons.com. We've been building this business as it's launched. Right. And we've essentially built an entire business framework over the last six months for this thing. And it's been a lot of meetings where yeah. we're talking to all the players involved and figuring out the best way to build onboarding systems, uh, customer service systems, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, do you have any examples from BMF well, that you can think of? I, before I go to a BMF, I actually have an awesome example just from our podcast production. Mm. Cause you know, Kirsten's is really manages the project. Mm hmm. Um, she's at Grow. And I remember when one of the pain points for us is you and I are just like getting all these questions from listeners. We're constantly like, you know, popcorning ideas back and forth and changing our mind. <laughs> right. You know, like you'd be like, Nate, actually, I think we should do this episode next. And Kirsten mm. just came to us and was like, yes. hey, we need to change this system mm. because, you know, the rest of the team that's editing it and pu publishing it, et cetera, they need a predictable model Yeah, where you guys can still <laughs> decide to change your mind. You can still change your mind. However, we need to set and forget episodes by a certain cutoff date. That was a perfect example of where I thought. Perfect I, example. Yeah, I just thought, man, we're just coming up with better ideas. Yeah. What's the problem? But of course, that move on our part had a ripple effect across the, the rest. entire team. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, we're trying to be artsy and creative and improv -y and And they're like, no, yeah. please, less of that, more of predictability, please. Yeah, or build in. <laughs> it actually changed the way you and I even prepare episodes. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's um, true. Okay. I have one more thing. Because you said, what's the problem with this? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It is quadruply a waste of an opportunity. Right. <laughs> in that... Um, you actually can begin to delegate now versus later. They actually hire the person and then they start doing all the work mm. to get the person to work. When in reality, you've just hired them to work. They should be working for you. And it's what I was referencing earlier, the idea of maybe it isn't a waste of time for the owner to build part of the manual. Maybe right. there are actual parts that they really yes. just need to build themselves. But the the large part of the business manual or the school's manual or the business, you know, should be built by the team and... And yeah, uh, it's it's an opportunity to begin delegating on the front end, not building the manual and then delegating later. Yes. And so, then like yeah. hiring to a task you're ready to delegate. Yeah. Actually figure out what the best tasks are mm. in collaboration with this employee. Yes. You know, um, I was going to just clarify something uh, in terms of language because I, I think language really matters with this is that you talk about team and I think it's essential when we're building systems, this has been my experience at Brooklyn Music Factory, that we're always taking the eye out of it. That like when mm. we say team, yes, you as a founder have really strong opinions about what the outcome needs to be. Mm. And you probably have strong opinions about how it's been done to date, mm -hmm. right? And yet when you bring on that new hire you're talking about, it's got to stay collaborative. Mm -hmm. Like when you're describing your meetings around... Um, you know, group piano, you're really talking about like, hey, we all the players involved 
Um, in my experience with lasting systems at Brooklyn Music Factory, like we just finished our two training days, which is a massive system that's been refined year after year after year of how are we going to spend eight hours every day with our with our new class of faculty and our returning faculty uh, without, you know, leaving them overwhelmed or wasting their time, right? Or our time. Um, when we collaborate there, Daniel, um, yes, I come in as someone with a lot of strong opinions about how training days need to be um, run, what the financial impact of that choice is, how we got to make sure we don't waste both our time and our money. Mm. However, um, I'm always asking the question after I share an idea, I might ask, what do you guys think? Where are the holes in that idea? Mm. Or I might ask, I might simply ask, you know, you always ask, what ideas do you have around this topic? And then most importantly, um, I find myself asking, who wants to lead this part of the training? Mm. And just by the mere fact that someone else on the team is owning the thing, you get back to your point, mm. which is now they're like, wait, if I have to own this and own the outcome, suddenly they have opinions on how it can be done better. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, I think that team piece for our listeners is so vital because in the work that you and I have been doing in our mastermind, we've seen this is for me, this has been one of the greatest benefits is that seeing the perspective of the owner shift mm. from owning something to being a member of something. Yes. Like you can be an owner, but also be a member of this team that's trying to grow something greater, yeah. you know? Um, okay. Interesting. Now I want to get back to one thing you said here. You said there might be systems that you as the owner actually want to oh, own and build. Yeah. So my question is, are there exceptions to the rule where you, um, you know, team build or delegate? What are the systems that you as an owner, you can start to grow if you want, where you're just sure. like, I am writing this thing. I'm actually even going to be the one who does it. Yeah. And then eventually I'll delegate. Are okay. there any exceptions in your mind? If they are a task that I'm largely doing, then I have my own system for that. Sometimes it's not even written out. I think a right. perfect example of this is that when we've launched products at Grow or we have a product launch yep. where we're inviting people into a program or things of that nature, um, I have never written out that system. It's massive. It, it kind mm. of lives all in my head because I am, quote unquote, the launch manager. I don't have a launch manager. Okay. On the other hand, there are large aspects of the launch that are written out that the team does. Right. Um, there, are other, there are other places where we don't have a formal system written out mm -hmm. because it is such a paint-by-numbers checklist-based task that it actually just lives in our task manager. There's no corresponding formal system. It literally is just the tasks that need to be done around that. Um, Wait, so hold on, pause okay. right there, because I love that. I love that you guys have these Asana checklists. I mean, yeah. that's how we get the podcast done. Yes. Right. If you, if anybody here were to look at the checklist for every single episode of this, it looks like, well, I don't want to be arrogant and say it looks like we're launching the space shuttle, but it <laughs> is, it isn't, you know, I mean, obviously, <laughs> well, we scrub less than they do. <laughs> they just canceled a launch a couple of days ago. Um, when this comes out, it'll be months ago, but, um, <laughs> but but we we've never had a yeah. a, a podcast uh, you know not launch. Um, my, my, I, but I guess my point is well continue continue. Well, um, 
No, I was just going to say, I love this sort of idea, the checklist manifesto. I love this idea. And in fact, one of the things I'm doing at BMF is trying to differentiate when they're, um, no, Mm. let me say, one of the things I'm doing at BMF is trying to create more checklists and fewer like multi-step systems that feel like a, a run-on G doc that, that where someone just glazes over and doesn't want to revisit it. So can you clarify for me? I mean, maybe, and maybe you, cause in my mind, I don't view the different, like a checklist to me is a system. Mm. Um, like IE do these six things in these, uh, in this order. And that's how a credit card gets updated. Okay. Um, do you, any thoughts on that or I do have thoughts and I think it goes back to how you started this episode how do you write how do you build the systems because we primarily have two systems for systems inside of <laughs> okay. our business two types what yeah. do you got if it's something really complicated really large like a launch we actually have a Google Drive folder with hundreds of Google Docs in them around various stages of it well, vi- or, well, no, various systems in the business oh, around it. invoicing, billing, customer service, product launching, product creation, mm. like all these sorts of things. And if it is, a, if, if any one of these tasks is pretty large, um, I, let me let me just take one specifically, one that's on my mind right now. When when we hire someone new, we have a system for how that goes, and we actually give that to them as the first system of what they need to do to become onboarded as a team member. Right. And it's in a G-Doc. So that's one type of system. And the way we build that, we have a very specific format for this. Um, We have actually a whole training that I've trained over 100 studios on on how to run a systems-based business. We have Mm -hmm. a training on it. You should reach out to me if anybody's interested. Right. Uh, And so so there's that particular one. The other one is the Asana-based one, where the task is so straightforward that we don't, put it in a G-Doc, it literally just lives in the Asana task. The truth of the matter is, is that I let the team decide which one they're going to do. Mm, they yeah. might talk to me about it, but if it does feel very straightforward, there it isn't this really multi-complicated, like all these different things, um, then I'll just have, they'll usually just choose an Asana task. Yes. If it is something that's really far reaching, then they'll do the G-Doc system. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. Okay, so um, it feels to me like the, 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 the Asana checklist version mm-hmm. is where you really don't need to click through and research a lot. Yeah. In other words, there doesn't, there's not so many different people engaged on that. Yeah. checklist there's not so much there's not it's like you could give it to me uh-huh. not working and grow and nate, nate would most likely get through the checklist without yeah. without really needing much input from others i completely agree okay. i will also add that i don't think in five years of doing this this way because mm-hmm. it was actually august of 2017 
when we implemented this. It's early September right now or mid-September right now when we're recording this. In five years, I don't think there's ever been a problem around how a team member chose to do it, whether it was Asana versus GDoc. And I think it just speaks to the the level of training that we've given them mm-hmm. that it just was so evident to them what it should be. Love it. Like th- they so understand the systems-based thinking that they just naturally choose the right one. It's never been an issue. And we've done this with over a dozen team members. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love the I love that detail, which we can't repeat often enough because this is the collaborative part. Yeah. Where you said, I ask them to decide what's going to be most useful. Yeah. You know, what is what what is appropriate? Yeah. Does this need a whole folder in G Drive or can we just make an assignment checklist? Yeah. That's a super badass tip. Um <laughs> So I want to give an example of one where I would own the system. You gave a great example around launch at Grow. For music school owners, an example of where I would own the system, um, again, would be something that I was very intimately involved in, usually the only person doing it. Yeah. A perfect example for me is around um, the financial forecasting piece. Um, I've actually made this mistake in the past where hmm. I've been like, I'm going to delegate and try to train to this piece when in fact, I was always the one who wanted to go back and use the information and make choices based on it. And I did, I know this, it's, we're getting a little bit of a gray zone, but the reality was, is that it was much simpler for me to just state, this is exactly how the, the reports that I want to see every month. This is exactly what I'm going to do to um, gather information. And then it's really just me and, you know, right now, Leah, our bookkeeper, who are talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so hmm. this is an example in the financial fluency piece, which you and I talk a lot about. Oh yeah. We've got episodes um, coming out about it recently. Yeah. Very soon. Um, this is an example where me as an owner and maybe some of our listeners are like, you know what? I'm very comfortable within this facet of my role hmm. being like a little micro CFO in my company. Um, I'm just going to own this. I don't need to, I don't need to really document all the ways that I analyze numbers or look at numbers right now. It's fine for me to just own that. I've got one more. Another example. Love it. Another example of when you might not have the team do it. This one's short, pretty easy. Anything around personal productivity systems. Yes. Yeah. So the whole way, uh, so I'm actually in New York because I'm meeting with a client. Right. And we spent two half days together planning out his business for the next year. Yeah. And we, on the second day, we got into this topic a little bit and I actually just showed him my personal organization system, the way it works, how I do planning, how I manage a lot of projects at once without feeling split in a hundred different directions, Mm -hmm. how I manage all that chaos. And I've never written that down anywhere. It's just, it just lives up here because it's been refined over many, many years. Although technically I did write it down. There is something where I share that with clients if they want to level up their productivity game. But yeah. that that's the one other area I would say is uh, a place that I never, I wouldn't have you know, a team member write that out for me. Right. And also the thing to consider with systems, because we actually did a version of that. We did a version of team productivity at Brooklyn Music Factory where we started creating hmm. um, a training around it. Hmm. And as I was observing us doing this, and this is one of the keys, I think, with systems is that you're creating a sustainable system because you want it to be universally adopt, adopted, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't need everyone at Grow to use the exact same personal productivity system. Yeah. Right? Correct. And so for a while, I was thinking, what if everybody, because, you know, in a music school, of course, we're like, 
we're full of like freelancers that are coming in and doing this thing, all these teachers, and uh, you'll have teachers that then move up the ranks and become, or not move up the ranks, but change roles. And like in our case, help with marketing and help with enrollment and all these other places. And so you're like, Hey, but they don't have a lot of, they may not have a lot of personal productivity, um, sort of awareness. Mm. So we thought, Oh, well let's do some training around this and make it universal. That was a mistake on our part. Hmm. It was just basically, we just said, here's some great concepts. These are things that work for me. Hmm. You've shared some. I've adopted some of yours. Mm. You know, I've adopted some of the like most important tasks in my Evernote and just like you know, some some things. I've, you know, we've, we've had, we use a frame, a phrase at BMF called Jomo's, the joy of missing out. It's not our idea, but it's <laughs> block booking your schedule. Take three hours and, and, Nobody can interrupt you and you yeah. won't, don't interrupt anyone. You stay engaged. So anyways, but I love that hmm. example. That doesn't need to be something that's universally adopted. Okay, so Daniel, I want to wrap this episode okay. with a very specific question With the that's hopefully will give our listeners a specific example of something that they can adopt right away. Love it. So walk us through the steps to successfully building our first system in your model. Okay. And you can just pick whatever system you want. Sure. That you think is going to be like foundational and most valuable for our yeah. listeners. Okay. Uh, I want to, I want to start with, with two thoughts. This model that I'm going to give can be done at a very, very high level. It can also be done on the most granular, forgettable task that you possibly can think of. Mm -hmm. And okay. I'm actually going to describe it in the context of the forgettable task, mm -hmm. but I want to name check a huge task that I used this on very early on when I was first implementing this in my own music studio. Love it. I have often said people, but I've never really talked about it, but I've mentioned this probably a half dozen times over the last 45 or so episodes, 40, how many ever episodes were into this? Um, where I said, Oh, I had this uh, team member of mine planning out my recitals. Yes, I remember, love that one. Yeah, you remember I've love I've it. said this so many times. I've never actually yes. described how I, how I did that, and the 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 way that I'm about ready to describe is how that actually happened. Good. Um, and then I'm going to get into the granular part of it with maybe a forgettable task, like a, a small task. But so I'm going to come back to the recital thing here in just a minute. I want to talk about the dorkier, smaller system and how I'd actually build it. So one yes. of the things that was taught to me by a coach on systems building was that. It might make a lot of sense to you, but to truly get the team member invested in the system, no matter how small, yep. you need to give context to the team member. So you don't just start Ooh. with the checklist. You start with the vision for why we're even doing this. Love it. So the system that I'm going to talk about is how we invite clients to our live sessions. So we have client Q&As all the time in Grow, yep. where whether it's around group lessons, questions, marketing questions, we have all these sessions that we do where our clients get to come and, and talk to me. I'll troubleshoot problems that they're having in their business. They maybe be confused by some of the material in our trainings. So we have these sessions. Love well, it. how do people get invited to it? This doesn't happen by magic, right? <laughs> Never does. So the vision that I would have given to, in this case, uh, Bethany, would be, okay, so we have clients. Yes. <laughs> we want them to feel supported. We want them to feel loved. We want them to feel like we care about them because we actually do. So so right. we have these sessions and we need, uh, we need them to get invited and we don't want there ever to be confusion, if possible. We don't want the, there to be confusion about what time it is, how to sign up for it, 
Yeah, who's invited? Who, who's invited? Who yeah. it's best for? Exactly. Yeah. So, so we are going to create a system on how to invite people to any of these types of sessions. Now, we do tons of different types of sessions. Got it. It applies to all of them. So, if we need to have an invite mechanism, yeah. whether it's for our uh, marketing training or whether it's for grouplessons.com, monthly webinars, like all this stuff, this is the way it's done. So that's the vision. Mm-hmm. Then it. I would actually turn on probably Vidyard, um, just any kind of video recording software where I can make a video. I happen to use Vidyard and I actually begin talking out. Here's I'll talk out the vision. And then I start talking out the steps. Like I start thinking through logically, mm-hmm. well, this is, this is how we need to do it. Now, earlier in the episode, I talked about we we want employee feedback. We want team member feedback. Right. If it's a big enough system, I might actually do this in a meeting, not do it live. But if we do it in a meeting, I always hit record. Otherwise, the system doesn't get built correctly because they forget. Mm. Because if it's that in-depth, and we made this mistake early on where we would be doing a meeting with a virtual team member, and I'm expecting explaining this advanced system, this really complex system, multi-step, like all this sort of thing. And they're typing notes furiously. And then they come back to me five days later and they're like, oh, you know, I didn't take this down. So I record, we record everything. If you're meeting in person, like we are right now, we would, I would sometimes literally um, get out my phone and hit voice recording and then email them the record. I put it in the, on the table between us and then email the recording to them later. Yeah. It's a great tip. So we have vision. Then I actually explain out the steps. And then the most important one, definition of done. Here's how you know it's it's complete. Not you've written the system out, but you've actually done the system correctly. And so you recap all the things that should be completed by the time this is done so that when they're going back through and reading this in the Google Doc, like I was saying before, mm-hmm. uh, they'll know, oh, uh, email has been sent out or, well, calendar has been made. Email has been sent out. Reminder has been sent out. Yeah. On the day reminder has been sent. Like all these sorts of things. This is how you know it was completed successfully. So that's kind of the framework of how we do this. This is a very high level flyover. In our scale training that Grow has, we talk about this in a lot more depth. We give a lot of examples. I have actual example systems from inside my music studio. Uh, yep. Anyway, that's kind of the the how to. So I'm going to turn back over to you because I see you like well, you probably have any just, questions for me. Maybe we end on this note. <laughs> yeah, I think mun clarity for me is the definition of done. Mm. So is that definition of done? Is that the same kind of term that I use when I say evidence of success? Yes. Is that the same idea? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we know this system is working and done if I'm seeing people show up to a Q and A. Mm-hmm. The right people showing up, et cetera, the right, right. time with questions, et cetera. Okay, good. Yeah. Love that. So definition of done feels like a succinct way of clarifying the vision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Money. Um, can we go straight to your recital example? Because yes. I get this question all the time with the school owners we're working with, which is how do you pull off Something you know, big like dozens that. of events yeah. at BMF every year and not get overwhelmed. Well, I almost want you to talk about how you all do it. No, but, but I, I want to hear your recital yeah, yeah, example. I'll, I'll give the recital example since I've talked about it on the podcast so much. So in that particular instance, the way that I communicated that was I was literally driving home from a recital and I thought, I don't ever want to have to do this again. Mm. Not the recital, yes. but I don't ever want to have to do the level of planning 
because I would always be a nervous wreck when I for, on the kids yeah. behalf. Yeah, I've yeah. played in front of 6000 people before. My heart rate barely rose. So that didn't scare me. Having those little tiny kids go up there on that stage, that scared me. You know, right. like, oh, I hope right. it goes well for them. Anyway, so I thought I don't want my head to be thinking about the logistics of recital day on recital day. I want to be thinking about the kids. I want to be present. I want to actually enjoy the performances. Yeah. So I was driving home from the recital. I turned on voice recorder on my iPhone, put it in the seat next to me. And literally while I was driving home, just started talking out vision steps, mm. the stuff that would need to happen. And then the, uh, the definition of done, the, the evidence of success. I think that recording was 22 minutes long because I talked out everything I had to do. Yeah. Talked out all that sort of thing. I shared it with my then only team member was Alicia. This was 2017. Actually, it might've been before that. I actually think it was before that. Anyway, shared that with her she came up with an initial draft of it. And then we went over it together in a meeting where we started hammering out the finer details. When yeah. I saw what she did, what she had written, uh, I got her input on a number of things because she wouldn't necessarily do things the same way that I would because she's not in the position that I'm in. So mm. we, so there were even places in that recording I sent her where I said, we're going to need to talk about this area in more detail. Here's the way I'm doing it currently. Right. But maybe don't write this down. We actually need to talk out how you would do this because you don't know the kids. You don't know the parents. So we can't even do this part of the system the same way that we would if I was the one doing it. Right. So a little asterisk there. Um, I think that's that's kind of the the long and short of how I did that recital thing. So again, the initial recording, we had the meeting together, we refined it. And then, you know, later we actually ran it where the very next, because we used to do two recitals a year, the very next recital, she did all her parts of it. And so much of what I would have done before I didn't do. It was awesome. It was amazing. Then after she ran it one time, then there was another round of improvements that got made because now she was actually the one that was running at that time. And I saw all this new opportunity because I experienced that day differently at that point. Yes. So with, with fresh eyes and with someone else handling a lot of other things, there was all these opportunities. I saw like, Oh, we could do this now that I'm freed up. Uh, Ooh, this is a good idea. Let's go do that. Ooh, this didn't work so well. Let's change that. You know, yep. those sorts of things. So there was refinement. Well, and you're hitting on a great, you hit two pieces of wisdom there that I think is a this is a perfect thing to close on because mm. you touched on what I think are, you know, we're going to get deeper into this in future um, episodes. I think we have one. I think we have an episode that where we're going to talk about uh, why uh, this, in your opinion, may be the only way really to do systems mm. in your music school. We're also I think we're going to we're going to touch on some of what I think are Brooklyn Music Factory's kind of like five most important foundational systems. Nice. I hope we're going to, oh. we, we, we talked about doing something like that. So this is awesome. So let's close with this idea. You, you touched on two things. Number one, you were, you had recently experienced this literally like an hour prior and you were like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So the first thing you realize as an owner is like, this is a, this is a, on your not to do list. Right. Because you're not actually able to show up with your best version of self to that recital mm. if you're also the one working the system to produce mm. the entire thing. So that is really important for listeners. When you're thinking about um, listening to this episode and you're listening to Daniel and you're thinking, where should I start? Daniel just gave you a really hot tip. <laughs> start with the areas that are actually drawing you away from what you really care about, mm. right? In your case, you want to be present for the kids. Yeah. 
you know, you want to be engaged with them and the parents, I'm guessing. Yeah. Not engaged with all of the uh, production. Yeah. Um, the second thing you did, which was just absolutely money, is that you turned on your voice recorder that evening. No, on the car ride home. On the car. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, yeah. While you were still, while it was very real and raw for you, yeah. you didn't wait even three days until you got distracted by all these other um, systems that you were addressing right. and things in your business. <laughs> right. You were just like the here, the now. Um, that is so valuable because one of the reasons why I think so often we lose the opportunity to improve our systems is that when it's really on our mind, we just put it on a task list. Yeah. We don't take your vital step of just turning on a voice recorder. Anybody can do that. That's actually, as you've talked about before, the most efficient path forward, even though it feels like you're having to slow down for just, a moment. Yeah. Just do it now. Yeah. Do it now, but do it while it's real, right? Yeah. I think my question for you would be, and I'm and I'm, you know, really authentically asking this, mm -hmm. where would you push back? on how I do things, where would you add to this? Obviously mm. our school sizes were vastly different. Mm. You were enrolling around 670 students around the time I was enrolling about a hundred in my kind of premium group right. studio. Right. Um, where, where would you maybe, yeah, either push back or add because there is something tangibly different about a school of that size versus a school that I was running. Even though I had a few teachers, had a few team members. Yeah. What would you add to this? I, I think the only thing just off the cuff right now, the only thing I would add is that as your school grows, mm. you won't even know what systems need to be built next. Ooh. Because you will become so defined in your role as a founder. And this, like right now, my role at BMF currently in this moment in time is we just had this in training. We, we asked, set your intention around all of your roles. And the faculty all said, Nate, what, what's your intention this year wow. around your role? And I was like, my number one intention is to make sure we don't run out of money. Mm. Okay, that's my role. Yeah. My number two intention is to make sure that all of you are supported in every way you need to succeed as a teacher. Chief resource officer. Yeah, chief. And so <laughs> that doesn't mean that I'm answering all their questions, sure. et cetera. But the point is, is that I didn't talk about Jessica's enrollment system. I didn't talk about right. all these other areas because the truth is, is I don't actually even know anymore since I'm so focused on where I can make an impact. On your role. Yeah, on my role. I don't even know oh what's. Oh my gosh. So that's yes. the thing. And, and, and that's liberating for me to 100%. be able to turn to someone like Jessica and say, where, you know, what's working and what's not. Uh, what do you think we need to upgrade next? Okay. I have to say this because I have experienced that, not in my school, but in Grow. Right. In that it is so satisfying to see systems being built where I wasn't even part of the conversation. Yeah. So I've got a, a coach who works with me, Alyssa, who has built systems with Bethany, who's one of our operational team. Yeah. Or Bethany and Kirsten or Bethany, Kirsten and Alyssa or just different permutations, different team members that are working together and building entire things. And I didn't even know they built it. Yes. Um, but now I say that not to pat myself on the back, but to highlight this point. And that is that if you train your team in this, that actually gives them the ability to do that. You don't have to be the one that dictates that system because mm -hmm. they understand, well, here's, here's how we build systems here. Here's how we build a system in Asana. Here's how we build it in Google Docs. Here's the proper protocol. And 
they've done it so much with me in their early days that now they can they can use that same vision framework that mm. I gave for, for another team member or they can collaborate together on that because they know it so well. It's inside them now. Um, so that's great. That is it's beautiful. Right. It's and it's probably feels really liberating and empowering to you yeah. as a founder of Grow to yeah. know that these things are happening. I take it for granted now. It, yeah. it just it happens so smoothly that I it just feels really satisfying. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, nice. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm sure you feel the same way. I do. And I, I, I mean, I feel honestly, I just feel like that's the gift Yeah. as we build team and as we build and adopt systems. And I can, I can, I can imagine your question, which would be when someone like Bethany comes to you and says, Hey, yeah, we were just, we just built this new system mm. for this area of, you know, group piano or something. Yeah. And you could just simply say, Awesome. What's the definition of done? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like a one sentence answer. And you're like, that sounds great. Yeah. Sounds really smart. Or, or the, the or my version of it often is, Hey, this is broken. Can you please go fix it? <laughs> Just fix this. And then, you know, a couple days later, did that get fixed? Yes, it did. And I don't even have to ask. Like, I just know they fixed it. No right. problem. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Daniel. Yeah. And, uh, that wraps another good app. Yeah. I'm really excited about this episode with the five foundational systems that you have. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I know we're going to do a follow-up episode to this where we talk about um, six reasons why school owners don't do what I'm describing. Yeah, I've been describing for the last 45 minutes. Um, I think we're going to release that a couple weeks from now. Okay, sweet. Uh, when we do it, but we'll probably just hit end on this one and then record it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think that'll be a good episode too. But anyway, good, good questions, Nate. Thanks. All right. All right. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.